Hey, Landon. What's up, man? How we doing? Doing all right, man. I got a little got a little bone to pick with you. I, I could see that. I, mean, I know we've been talking about this for a while, but I, I just want to know personally, like, what what's the issue here? Like, all right. So, anyone that's listening to this, I, I I hope some of you can relate to this, and I, maybe some of you do this. And if you do, I want you to stop. <laughs> Just saying so, hello. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I'm just saying a no, friendly no. hello here. No, no. Do you ever get someone that texts you, right, out of the blue, and it's just, hey, or yo? And I'm like, whenever I get that, it's like I have this this rush. I'm like, all right, I need to figure out what's what they're asking me. It's just, if you're texting someone, you're texting them for a reason. That's how I look at it. If you're texting me, you want something. You want to know something. You want to hear something. Whatever it is. Sir, I am. Just, I am. Just get to the point. I'm so sorry that you're my best friend in life and the co-host on my podcast. And I just wanted to say, hey, maybe just like, hey, how's it going, bro? You know, maybe the, like it, you. Fu- I put hey, and you question marked the the text. That's so unnecessary. It doesn't make me feel good. How do you think my feelings are? <laughs> well, I, I tell that's you, what, that, that's probably the first. That's the first time I've ever questioned it. But that is the probably fiftieth time in the last three months you've sent me an open-ended text and I'm like, all right, Tony, you know me well enough to where you can just get to the point. But I also know you well enough to just say, Hey, and we can just have a conversation. I, I know, I, you're, I know you're not great at those things, but right, 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 right. No, I agree <laughs> with you. I agree. I agree. We're definitely on that, on that basis, but I, I'm just all about getting to the point, being more straightforward. But anyways, <laughs> me. sorry, if you guys hear in the background, um, I got a dog crying, just became a dog dad, a little background information here. My brother, Got my dad a dog for Father's Day, and I don't live with my parents anymore. And my mom already has to take care of two dogs and a whole family because they can't even take care of themselves. And so obviously my mom doesn't want the dog. So they bring it over here to start giving, making the process of giving it back. And I fall in love with it. My grandpa falls in love with it. And I sneak a little like, hey, what if we take it? And he was a little receptive to it. So I was like, hey, your, your dad or your brother? No, my, my grandpa was a little receptive because oh, my okay. dad and my brother are trying to find a way to keep this. Obviously, they can't keep it at my parents' house. Because your mom's it, not having it. Yeah. But they're like, oh, aunt, you only work 15 hours a day and run a podcast and run another business and, uh, and do another shit. Why don't you take the dog? And I love the idea for at first. And a week later, I want to absolutely rip my hair out. Look, you hear her outside. She's so cute. She's a German shepherd pure breed baby beautiful but she just bites and cries <laughs> and shits and pisses it's um it's getting me ready for parenthood one day how old is she uh eight weeks jesus yeah it's literally like a, a baby an actual baby but uh so what's the what's the deal are you are you, you're keeping the puppy you're definitely keeping her or, or are you holding on to her temporarily until until you guys convince mom to to let her come back well funny story i mean i intend to keep her for now but as I was going to get taped to repair my microphone that she bit through, I she shit all over the floor and everywhere. And my grandpa's like, we can't keep her. We can't keep her, Anto. We're done. We're done. Tell your mom. Tell your father. I'm like, oh, my God. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's been a yeah, it's locker in your room and just let her let her stay in there. Yeah. Well, I can't lock her in my room now because she's going to bite my feet. And we're trying to podcast here. <laughs> I don't want to be like, oh, shit. Like, I'm going to have Tourette's on the. On the on the on the mic. <laughs> you want to transition into our guest today? I guess I guess so, right? I guess that's that. Yeah, we start off here for two random stories. We start off with uh, why uh, it's one of my pet peeves is open ended texts and talk about your dog shitting and pissing all over the floor. Yeah, open ended text message. I don't. You're you're just 
I don't know. That's a that's a a mental issue on your end. That you, you should go get that checked out. Go see a doctor. <laughs> so I mean, we had a, an amazing interview. Uh, we did this interview last week with Josh Shapiro. He's the owner and founder of Baseball Lifestyle 101, which is basically a community and a brand for baseball lovers. And I mean, that's really what it is. He started on Instagram just in high school as for, for fun, like he's going to tell you guys. And this thing blew up big time. And he gives everyone the content that they want to see. And their apparel is next level. So, I mean, what, what else you got for us, Len? He, he gives some insight on social media and just the evolution that he's seen. I mean, he started, he got an Instagram back in 2013, if I remember correctly. And obviously anyone that was on Instagram back then has seen the evolution and how it's grown over time. Um, but this guy built his business completely through social media. You know, he's 22 years old and he's, they're reaching over $5 million in sales at 22. I mean, so, it was. It was inspiring, man. It really was because, yeah. like, we're sitting here at twenty three, and we're like, okay, we're really young doing this all cool stuff, and this guy's already got a, a multi million dollar business on, under his belt, and he's really well spoken, has some mentors, really sees the value in mentorship as well, and his big thing was that you build a community first, you provide free value nonstop, like we're trying to do, and then you can ask for sales. You know, you could try and create it into a business activity, and I think that's the big thing, and he. uh he tells us all different types of strategies to navigate social media now. I'm definitely going to buy some apparel as well. The website is very cool, man. The, the price points are very reasonable and the products, you don't have to just be a baseball fan to really be into this stuff. It, it, there's a lot of really nice stuff out there. No, they you should put they a link to it. that in the, in the description. They really do. Like they, they understand what their community wants and they deliver. Instead of just putting out a bunch of shit, throwing mud at the wall, seeing which sticks – we ask the community, you know, and that's what we're trying to do as well. So please, guys, feel free to give us some feedback. We want to give you guys what you want. It's not about what we want. It's about what you guys want. We're willing to interview anyone and everyone. This kid's awesome. Please enjoy. Everyone have a great day. Learn Lead Thursday. Share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. I love you. Have a great day. This is the Learn Lead Podcast. With your hosts, Tony V and Landon Arcangelo, coming to you with exclusive access inside the lives of some of the world's most successful leaders. All right, we've got Josh Shapiro here, the owner of Baseball Lifestyle 101. Basically a baseball brand for those living that baseball lifestyle, but... I don't want to do it any uh, any disservice. Josh, you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and more about your brand? Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, guys, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, definitely, I'm excited to tell a story a little more. Um, yeah, so Baseball Lifestyle is pretty much how you described it. It's just um, a community for baseball lovers that includes you know media to apparel. Um, obviously, most of our business side of things is now the apparel side, but um, it started as an Instagram account back in 2013 uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, just for fun, man. I mean... I've played baseball my whole life, love the game. So I just came out, uh, you know, on Instagram, just kind of put my two cents out there. And, um, you know, that's turned into this business now, which is, I couldn't imagine where it'd be at now. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much it. So, I mean, you can get, you know, anything off the field related. So, you know, all your swag, all your t-shirts, jewelry, all of that. And then um, you could also, you know, obviously we have over half a million followers on Instagram. We've got like 100K on TikTok now, 70 on on Facebook. So we're pretty big on social and uh you can obviously consume a ton of content that just 
you know, wraps up the baseball lifestyle into one, you know, community. Yeah. And as, I mean, as a baseball player myself, it's just a, a lot of the content's just so relevant. It's the stuff that we're all thinking and you guys just put it into video form. It's really cool. And you're 22, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Correct. Yep. I mean, that's pretty insane, man. When did you, when did you start, uh, at what age did you start this, uh, this journey? Yeah. So the, everything started when I was a sophomore in high school. So I was 15. Um, the actual company LLC, the whole thing like that didn't start until really 2017, but August of August of 2016 is like the uh, official LLC trademark, all that stuff done dated. Um, but yeah, the journey started when I was uh, 15 years old, man. Like I said, I just started for fun. Um, I was, I remember like briefly how it started. I, Cause again, you don't think of it as like this big thing and like, it's going to be this, you know, pretty solid business. And then when you get to the point where you're at now, you're like, I wish I would have like, you know, documented more. And I wish I would have um, kind of like remembered a little bit more of the early stages. Like imagine if you were able to look at like, what um you know jeff bezos's like journey looked like when he just started amazon you know obviously we're not at that scale but um so yeah i mean it started for fun i was literally on a couch with my buddy tristan and i think i was just like hey i want to create this instagram there's a lot of stuff going on on twitter but nothing going on on instagram and myself personally you know i've always gravitated towards instagram i just like the platform um obviously it was a relatively brand new platform there was not what it is today not even remotely close you couldn't even post videos when i first started on instagram now i feel like i'm dating myself with that but like you couldn't post videos or anything so i just started posting content man i posted some things that um i remember that i wanted to see and um i wanted to just create a place for baseball players to just basically engage and more or less hang out virtually um now did i ever think again we'd come out with apparel and all of this and have these different markets and whatnot no but yeah, the journey started at 15 years old um, for fun. Um, and uh, yeah, that was really nothing of it in the beginning, just more for fun. So you've seen this this evolution of Instagram. And, and when you first got into Instagram, obviously, I mean, anyone that creates an Instagram account still today, obviously, there's a lot more modes of usage. And like you said, you can add videos now, you can do stories and a lot of other things. So anyone that's getting into this world early on, it, they're doing this stuff for free. So when was it for you where that that switch flipped and you started generating business from this. Yeah. I mean, it definitely took a few years and the kind of the journey like continues into now where, um, so when I was 15, I was obviously playing baseball, I was playing high school baseball. And, you know, my dream was to play professional baseball, like any young, you know, baseball player, but I was trying to play collegiate level. So I was working out at a gym, um, locally and the owner, Bill Rahm, um, he was basically my mentor. You know, I went up to him when I was 15, I, I was at like 5,000 followers and I basically wanted to post flyers in his gym to promote like the Instagram so kids can go follow. Cause I worked at, I was like working out at the baseball facility. I lived there all the time. So all these kids that were, you know, the same baseball kids, I wanted them to follow. So I gave Bill a little insight on what I was doing and, you know, he's a gym owner was, he came from a marketing background, but never, um, ran his own e-commerce. Um, and he, you know, kind of, I was like, Hey Bill, I want to start a clothing brand. Cause that's kind of what I always wanted. I just wanted to start a clothing brand. I don't know why I just did. I wanted to wear my own stuff, wear what I liked for baseball. And he kind of broke everything down to me saying like, Hey, you know, if you have 5,000 followers, um, you know, you're going to get a conversion rate of X and your AOV is going to be Y and you're only going to sell 40 shirts at, you know, $25 and it's going to cost you, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like, you know, fun for all the work I'm going to put in. He's like, that's exactly my point. So what I want you to do is, um, build a, build a community first, build a brand first, and then worry about selling to everybody second. I mean, you know, at 15 years old, you can kind of play this little free game where you're living home with your parents. You, you know, I am not, you know, I came from a, a really good background. My parents worked really hard. I, I, I didn't have to worry about money. 
Uh, but I was always a hustler, you know? So I was, my dad and my parents always instilled to me that, Hey, you know, if you want to get something, you have to buy it yourself. I don't care what that is. And so I would mow my parents' lawn. I'd mow my neighbor's lawn. I'd make, you know, I was the lemonade kid stand, you know, selling stuff on eBay. So I knew I'd find a way to make money with this. It was just a matter of when. Um, and basically when I got to like 10,000 followers, that was like a huge marker. But what I was doing as for, at first was I just wanted free stuff. I mean, I was a player, right? So like I wanted the newest bats, the newest gloves, whatever the case was, I was working with these companies for influencer marketing, which wasn't even a thing in 2000s, whatever, 14, 15. I used to have to send a Gary Vaynerchuk article on why influencer marketing and what it is to explain why us posting about your product would help your brand. Um, and that's what I was doing, man. So I got a bunch of free stuff. And at the point where I had so much free, free things, I was like, well, what do I do with this? I have, I don't need anything more. And Bill's first piece of advice was give it away. And to tell someone that's in high school to give all this free stuff away was really, you know, a, a life changing moment in the sense that it helped build a community, it helped give value to people first. So to kind of full circle, come back to when I started making money, um, once the giveaways and the free stuff became a lot, then I started instead of saying, I'll, you know, I want your bat. I was like, no, I want $15. You know, I want $20. And as I grew, the money grew. And as I packaged deals together, the money grew. So I was making influencer marketing money, um, basically marketing money for the first while. I mean, like I said, the store didn't launch until August of 2016. So from 2014 to 2016, for two years, I was just making influencer marketing money. But I mean, dude, I mean, I was making enough money I was working at the baseball facility teaching lessons pretty much because I've worked there since I was forever, you know, young. So he, they trusted me and I was a good enough athlete to help teach kids. So I wasn't had to worry about money. So I was making enough money where I didn't have to work any other job. I bought my own car when I was a senior um, in high school. Um, I bought my first car. And so I was making enough money where I was kind of just chilling, you know, 16, 17 years old, just doing whatever. Um, so that's really when the first dollar came in was like from the marketing there. And so I did a little cheating before we hopped on here. I did a little research on you. And, and so I know it's public information. Can you tell our listeners, you know, fast forward to today, what does revenue look like for you guys? Gross. Yeah. So um, right now on this, this year, um, we'll pass over $5 million lifetime. So since I picked up that first $15 from that company, you know, and all the different things we've done, it'll be over 5 million lifetime. And then this year, um, even with everything going on and baseball finally getting announced that it's back, we've we've been better than ever, as crazy as that sounds. Um, and uh, yeah, we're on pace for two to two point five this year alone. So, um, dude, the money is good. I mean, the business is growing. Um, it's the first year from 2017, 2016, I don't count again. It was August, and uh, it was only a couple of months. But from twenty seventeen. We almost did almost did our first seven figures, and then 2018 we did over seven figures, but we grew 54 percent in that time frame. And then from 2018 to 19, we grew another 50 percent. Um, and this year, you know, we're we're now finally slowing down from 50 percent. Thank God, because that's so hard to manage. But the growth is still completely there, and we haven't even been to an in-person event this year, which accounts for at least part of our revenue. And obviously, with everything going on, so yeah, I mean, that's where the revenue's at now. So from some free gear at 15 years old to 15 dollars for a first post to now over you know two million dollars in a year. So I have a I have a double question here. How is the with the with the baseball season about to start? How what's the new strategy headed to into this weird new uh, segmented season? And then also in terms of the coronavirus, how were you able to stay relevant the entire time with baseball kind of being out of mind for a couple months? Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, they, they for me they work together, so I'll answer them as one in the sense that 
we're not going to change what we're doing because what we're doing is working. And I'm not saying we're getting complacent, but what I'm saying is that with the coronavirus, when this whole thing went down, we were the only source of entertainment for all these kids. So we have a younger demographic. So for them, they weren't able to play. They can't watch SportsCenter. They can't watch ESPN because there's nothing on. So for me, it was, well, how can we continue to give these kids entertainment? Because again, not every we're a pseudo media slash apparel company. So we're some media, we're some apparel. Obviously, apparel is our main revenue source, but we're still about the media because, the, again, content drives sales, content drives engagement, content drives brand. Um, so for us, it was how do we provide more content? So I went from posting four times a day to seven times a day. Um, that way, it was more content, more you know, different posts that you resonate with that you kind of you know make you continue to think about the game. And dude, I for three weeks straight from every night at 8 p.m., I went live on Instagram with a different professional athlete. Um, in the major leagues or minor leagues from guys from Trevor Bauer, guys, excuse me, like Harrison Bader, guys like Trevor May, um, you name them. Like we were going on with some big names in baseball. And that's just from the uh, the connections and the relationships that I've curated over the years. But um, yeah, I mean, so we were going on Instagram Live. Uh, we hosted a fake opening day on the actual day that MLB was supposed to be opening day. And we did five giveaways in one day with like us, a couple of different brand partners, some other things. So we did giveaways even more. We gave away MLB the show. We hosted MLB the show tournaments. So kids can, uh, we hosted like four or five of them where basically we just took 32 random kids. They put on their story, their PSN, put them in a group chat. And then we would sit there on a piece of paper, put down everyone's handle, put together a bracket. And those 32 kids would play against each other. And we did like four or five times. And you may be like, well, I mean, that's only 32 kids out of 500,000. Like, that's so small. But to this day, we still get kids DMing us every day. When are you guys doing the next show tournament? When are you guys doing the tournament? So obviously, it made that real impact. But for us, dude, it was about um, engaging. You know, I we put our face behind the brand. People know who I am. People know who the other Josh is, who runs our TikTok. People know who Dennis is, Melissa, Bill, everybody. Everybody has a personality. I also went on the Instagram story, I think nightly, or at least as much as I could. I put my face out there, turned the camera selfie mode, and I just kind of talked to people. Hey, guys, you know, uh, we know that, you know, there's no baseball season right now, and a lot of you aren't being able to play your high school games. Uh, If you guys want to talk, DM us. You know, we'd love to talk to you. We hope everything's good. And we just start asking questions. You know, what do you miss most about baseball? What do you think about this? What do you do about that? So, again, content. And on top of the content, we were releasing brand new product weekly. So we were keeping engaged people with new product. And um, again, as much as our kids are a demographic, the parents are also a demographic because they're the ones with the credit card. And for us, I think for the parents, you know, let's put this in example, right? He can't go, the little Johnny can't go play on the baseball field. So he's, they're not going to buy him a new bat. Why would you buy a kid a $400 bat when he can't play? But if mom wants him to, you know, still love the game of baseball and, and he wants to like live the baseball lifestyle, well, what do you want, John? And the kid, the kid John is like, I just want baseball lifestyle stuff. So I think we had a little bit of that as well. So parents, because I saw, I've seen reviews on our website. I've seen Facebook messages. Hey, you know, I bought this for my son because, you know, we missed the game so much and we really appreciate you guys doing X, Y, and Z. So um, yeah, that's kind of the answer of what we're doing in quarantine, but how that relates to the baseball season now is just, again, we were on the top of mind for every single kid, right? So we were the ones that were in their face when there wasn't baseball. And we're actually not relying on MLB at all, to be completely honest with you. The youth market, the youth baseball, the travel baseball, all that's way more important than MLB. Obviously, MLB drives a lot. Don't get me mistaken. But you can't be relying on the game of baseball on the major level because once you are, you're in the hands of them, right? So for us, it's just about creating more kids wanting to play the game. Um, So for now, right now, it's just continuing doing what we're doing, man. Coming out with new products, continuing to do that. 
we'll obviously have some pretty cool stuff happening during opening day. We're still coming with ideas as, you know, it just got announced a couple of days ago, but I mean, I'm sure we're going to do a ton more giveaways. I'm sure we're going to do some cool collabs. I'm sure we're going to, you know, make, we've already been making content around baseball coming back and that's what we're going to do. You know, I mean, we're the type of people that will, Hey, if you know, you know, Long Island baseball opens back up, we'll go to like, drop us a, you know, drop us where your game's at and we'll stop by and we'll hang out, like give kids free shirts. Like that's kind of what we'll do. And that's always the experience that we try to create going forward. So I want to go back to, you talked about the growth rates in your company and you said 2018 was over 50%. What, what was it specifically, if anything different that spiked that growth so fast in a year? Yeah. So that's because if I go back to it, right, we didn't launch our website and our like apparel side of things until we had over 300,000 followers. Um, so we already had the base of people. So for example, we had all these companies would be paying us for this marketing, right? And they would keep coming back for more. And then I finally was like, well, if they keep paying us, they got to be making some money, right? <laughs> so I was like, they wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't working. So then we got 20 free hats from Richardson um, in exchange for posts. And they're like, you can do whatever you want with them. So I'm like, all right, cool. Had our logo on. I'm like, I'm going to sell you, see if people want them. They went out instantly. We did it again. They went out instantly. So I was like, okay, people want stuff with our logo on it. So I was like, why am I running advertising and promoting everybody else's product instead of just almost putting it as my own and curating it on one website where it's literally you can get everything you want head to toe baseball on one site. Um, And that was like the key. You know, we waited. So we already had the audience. We've been priming them for years. We haven't really asked for anything ever. We've been giving value forever. And then when it was finally time to ask for the value in exchange, I think people were just down to, they love the brand. And I, I think it's, it's so hard because I was just speaking with somebody yesterday who's got over 2 million followers on their, on their Instagram. And it's not like they're bought, they're legit. And they, he's still trying to find a way to convert his customers. And I think the, you can have attention, you can have an audience, but do you actually have somebody that's willing to take out their wallet and pay for something? And I think that's so hard to do. And I think we've done an amazing job on that. And I give that credit to Bill as well, because I think when I was, you know, when I was young, I didn't understand any of that, but he helped curate that process and make it so that we were able to do that. So the reason why we grew so fast and we almost did seven figures in our first year is because we just had the, we were ready to go. You know, we were ready to explode and Instagram was like, it's prime in 2017, right? There was no paid marketing to what it is now and algorithms and, you know, this, that, and the other. So our organic reach was crazy. And our every product that we released was new, never seen before. So people were just all over it. Um, and then going into 2018, same thing, right? Releasing new product, just kids not used to seeing all this stuff. Our brand still growing like crazy. Um, Instagram's organic reach still going like crazy. And then not until Q4 of 2018 was the first time we ever put a dollar into marketing. And I remember, uh, like on Facebook, and I remember the day in October that me and Bill looked at each other and we go, Instagram's done. And not in a sense that, you know, we're not going to use the platform and it's not very successful for us, but we saw the ads start to come in and we're like, the organic reach is going to go. So now it's time to pay to play. And you see that now, I mean, there's so many pay to play, but we still have that way boost where, you know, if we drop, we dropped a new product today. Right. And you know, we still have half a million followers are putting it out to you. Now it doesn't reach as many people. No, but that's your job as a marketer to post that seven to 10 times to make sure that it does get seen by as many people as possible. Um, so that was kind of the explosion. And then 2019's explosion was because we started putting marketing money and now you've put the fuel on the fire and now you're like, Oh my God. And, and for us, it was like, 
this is nuts. We spend two and we get back four, or we spend four, we get back eight. Like, dude, just pump, pump, pump. <laughs> so we were doing that on top of some other things. And there's a lot of learning that goes into it. It wasn't necessarily the right way to do things, but the growth was still there. And um, so that's kind of a lot of it. And then this year, what's great about this year is that we took from the learning of our first full year of spending last year and saw the mistakes that we made and we cut our spending in like half and we're still making more money than we were last year. Not at the same 50%, but still really, really good. Um, but we didn't want that anymore. We didn't want the top line, top line, top line, not as much profit. We wanted to say, Hey, let's, let's fine tune the process. Let's drop more product. And then we could always put the fuel on the fire whenever we feel like it, you know? So that's what's been the kind of the the process for us, but I mean the growth, man. I mean out of the gate was just because it was something that's never been seen before. Josh, how how'd you go about building your team? Yeah, so um, a lot of it was, I mean it was by chance, man. I mean it was so. Here's how the team kind of comes together, right? So my like my brother, basically that kid, other kid, Josh, my best friend. He's been he's been my best friend since I was like five years old. So. But he wasn't necessarily the first employee at BL101 because he was playing collegiate ball. He was doing his own thing. And um, he just – not that he was never not interested. He just – we just weren't working together like that yet. Um, but we were always just kind of hanging out. He's always been there with me on this. And um, so when I went to Bill, um, he was basically my mentor. And one day his now wife but uh, girlfriend at the time, she was running a non-for-profit um, for social media, which is Melissa. And Melissa came in the office one day and we have softball lifestyle too. And Melissa, if now makes sense how she is, because I, you know, she's just sarcastic. So she was like, I could do, you know, I was like, I don't know how to be a, a girl on softball. So I can't speak and like, I can't do it. And she's like, I could do a 10 times better job than you can. And it was like the second time or something I met her. And now it's funny. I laugh at it. Cause me and her are like brother and sister and she, uh, yeah. So she was like the first employee. So like after about two months, she quit her job as being, a uh, at, uh, the non for profit and started working on baseball lifestyle with me full time again. So this is 2017, 2016, where again, we almost made, you know, eight, uh, seven figures in revenue, excuse me. And so there was money coming into the business. There was more money than I knew what the heck to do with it when I was 19 years old. Um, but so she was the first hire. Me and her were working on it every single day and Bill didn't become an owner, which I can explain a little bit on the team. He didn't, wasn't even an owner yet. He was just mentoring me. So it was me and Melissa grinding on it like every day, you know, we became, like I said, so close because of that. And for her to risk, you know, uh, a, a regular job just to come here and take a chance with a kid that's 19 years old, like that's pretty, pretty you know, amazing to me. Um, so that was our first employee. And then from there, um, it's again, it's a small team, so it won't be too long. Uh, from there, uh, Josh uh, Gerson, he was playing over in Boston, uh, baseball over there. And basically after, I believe, his sophomore year, um, there was some real traction in the business, which was about 2018, 2019. And he said, you know, um, I remember he came home and his, his dad, I'm very close to his family. He was like, hey, I think it's, you know, I think it's time for you to kind of go work with Josh and, you know, kind of help, you know, together. And I'll never forget that as well, because, you know, for him to decide to, to, to work with BL over college baseball was huge, you know, because I ended up going to college for two years. I stopped playing college ball after my first year and then dropped out after my sophomore year. But for him to, you know, again, put the belief in the brand and put the belief in myself that this is the right decision because he's starting to see, you know, I'm, am I going to get where I want to be? Blah, blah, blah. It might be the right time. So he moved back home and then he came on. 
not again, not necessarily even full time, but I considered him as an employee in a sense that he was only working with us, not doing anything else. He was just going to school, just graduated. So he's now full time, full time, which is amazing. Um, so that's Josh and him. But then Bill actually coming on as an owner. We were in Omaha, Nebraska, first time, 2018. And we had no idea what to expect, man. I mean, we were, you know, had half a million followers, but we didn't know how that translated to in person. So we went to the biggest stage and um, it was the most amazing experience in my entire life. Um, and from there, you know, we Bill pulled me aside, right. And where the store's packed, everything's going on. And he pulls me aside and he's like, he drove to Omaha, Nebraska, by the way, 19, 20 hours without being an owner in the company and making a dollar. Um, and we always joked in the gym when business is a million dollar business, he gets 1% of the company. And that was always a joke. And obviously it's become more than that. And he has more than 1%, but we, uh, we were, you know, we were talking and he's like, Hey, listen, there's two directions. I think this can go He goes, you can do this on your own and the, with the team that you built, and I know you can do it. Or, you know, I, I need to, you know, if you want me on board, I have to come on as an owner because I'm going to put more time and attention into this. And I said within two seconds, I'm like, dude, you're not of your mind. Like, let's go, like, let's hop on board. Let's do this. So obviously we, we put the deal together after, and that wasn't, I wasn't worried about that. Cause I know the type of person he is and he knows how I am. And Bill became on as an owner, but one person I also want to mention, of course, um, who's who still does some stuff with us, but not as much anymore. Uh, Kyle was our first um, from Oregon, our first videographer. And that's a crazy story because he DM me on Instagram in 2016. And we just became friends through DM. All, he's in Oregon, all the way across the country. And him and Connor, his buddy Connor, who've both done work with us, um, I flew them out to New York to my parents' house. I've never met him in person. They flew across the country. They've never been to New York. And we kicked it off. We've become like, close friends, family. And Kyle has been my, you know, on the team since 2016 as well. And, um, it's kind of hard to manage because again, he's out in Oregon. So we like to keep everybody here, but Kyle's still a very big part of the journey as well, because he was like that another guy that took a chance on me. So, um, that's kind of the team. And then we added on, um, the, uh, like our last employee who, who's been amazing for us. Uh, Dennis, um, Dennis was a referral from a friend came to us. We needed an operations guy. I couldn't pack and ship at this point. I needed somebody to help kind of take the operational stress off of me. And Dennis came on board and um, last year, it's been over a year now. And again, he fits, he fits right into the family. Um, so we have like a group of five or six for us, man, that are just like family here. And that's like the long story of everybody though. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, are you guys at a point right now where you're starting to fundraise? Is that where you see yourself going to where you're, you're going to start uh, raising some money for this for, for more expansion? No, honestly, man, I, I've been torn between, you know, how big do I want to get this? How big do I want to grow the company? How fast? How do I want to do it? And to be honest with you, um, I don't really want to go down that route as of right now. Um, to me, it's just like enough stress. I don't need it. We've gotten approached by professional players, by other people trying to invest in the business, but it's been all self-funded since day one. Like, yeah, they're big credit lines and loans. Yeah, but that's how you run a business, right? For expansion. Um for me, getting down that whole investor and, 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 you know, you know, all that stuff, man, it, it it's tough uh, when you're so baseball niche and it's there, there is a market cap. I don't think it's the right business to do that. And for me, like my goal is to have this for as long as I can profitable um, and then go and do something else, but, you know, build a sustaining, you know, system that works and doesn't need anybody else to come in and take control of it yeah no that's that's well said so do you you see yourself at one point finally automating it to where your time is no longer needed and you're going to appoint some type of leader to run the company as as a ceo type figure yeah i would say 100 um i mean 
again, obviously things change, but uh, f- like even now, like I don't do half the stuff that I used to do. Obviously, my my job is to um, make sure I'm more on the operational side. Um, I would say I make sure I, I execute on everything that needs to get executed. I still run the social media day to day, but there will come a time where you know I if the system's running to how it should be running, um, I'll be more of a, you know, a board role where I just make sure the direction's going where it needs to go and make the bigger, bigger decisions, but let somebody else run that day to day. Um, because there's other things that I want to do. You know, I, I think baseball lifestyle has been a part of me since I was 15 years old. And I don't think there's a day in my life that it hasn't come up now. Um, especially seeing the quote unquote success of the business where, you know, people in my high school that, you know, used to make fun of it or had no idea about it are now starting to see these numbers that are public and go, holy crap, like I didn't know that, you know, it doesn't look like that. And I've had some amazing, you know, experiences too. Like I love the game of baseball, right? So for me to go to the all-star game and meet the people that I've met and, you know, hang out with professional athletes that I thought would be my teammates that are now my friends and I still love it. So I think I'll always be a part of it because baseball will always be a part of me. But like, I'm more of a business person than I am a baseball fan at this point, man. I love the business. I love the competition. I love growing. I love seeing numbers. I love taking a concept and watching it come out and work and hit. Um, so for me, you know, that's, I think the end goal is, but I, I think I have other dreams and other things that I want to get into it. You know, man, I like, I, you can get, you can, you can build a great business once, but can you do it again? And for me, that excites me. I want to do something again and we'll see when that is. And if that is, but listen, man, I mean, at this point, um, uh, it's just about, you know, continuing to keep going down this path. Cause it's been pretty successful and, uh, make as many mistakes as possible so I can learn from them and not, and, and just kind of grow from it. Absolutely, Josh. And and I want you to talk about the the online store and the merchandise. And I and for everybody listening, we're gonna put the link to the website and the merchandise in the description. But Josh, you mind talking to our guests a little bit about your website and, and, and the gist of what's on there? Some some examples. Yeah, for sure. So um the website, like I said, is head to toe, man. So you can get hats, uh you can get, you know, necklaces. So like I was when I was younger, I always wore number nine after my, my dad was number nine and I just took his number. Um, instead of Jeter, which is crazy and then Jeter era in New York here, but I took his number. And, uh, so my dad still jokes around me about that to this day, but so I always wanted to find a number necklace. I couldn't find them anywhere. So I was like, where do I, I want to wear my number. So we have like our number necklaces. You have like some religious baseball stuff. That's a close friend of mine who used to do advertising with me way back and now a close friend and we sell his stuff. Um, and so we have necklaces, we have shirts, we have hoodies, jackets, backpacks, socks, slides, boat shoes, um, headbands we just dropped today. Like you name it, like we're going to continue to expand, but like literally anything that like you can wear that's baseball, you know, and some stuff's more advert because as I've gotten, as I've gotten older, I don't want to wear, you know, something huge on my chest. That's like, I play baseball cause I don't anymore, but I want it to be like, I still love the game of baseball, but it's more low key. And this is still dope. You know, it's streetwear. So we have a little mix of everything, you know, um, but it's all off the field for now. Um, we have some stuff that will go on the field in the sense that we work with some brands. We're going to do some collaborations that can work on the field as well, but mostly off the field um, stuff that you can just kind of wear working out, wear out to, you know, a bar, wear out to the baseball field, all that stuff. I got to get myself one of those, um, those three quarter sweatshirts man those are sick oh the short sleeve hoodie man the short sleeve uh, hoodies yeah dude yep. those, so those those came out amazing and that was us dipping into the performance side a little bit we've never done like a performance tech you know kind of thing and dude those hit really well so we just dropped our first 100 percent polyester t-shirt 
which is just a dry fit pretty much. Can't call it a dry fit. Shout out Nike. Um, but basically, we're just we're just coming out with all new stuff that is you know there's still so far away to go. <laughs> I mean, we just dropped our first windbreaker in March, and it was our best seller this year. And we haven't even dove into more windbreakers. We're coming out backpacks and this dude. There's so much to go, and then it's just about learning what works and listening to your audience and then making it, you know? So like we have what's called like what if Wednesdays and we just put out designs. We're like, Hey, you know, out of these six socks, like which ones do you guys like? What if we created that? All it is it's content. And then I just know which socks you guys want. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to order those two and I'm going to get rid of the other two. I think people, yeah, I think people, I think people overthink it. They're like, I have to, I have to design this and it has to come out here and I can't tell anybody about it or else, you know, it's not the cool. It's like, Kids are going to forget that those four socks existed, but when I come out with them in three weeks, they're already primed to buy that thing. So mm-hmm. that's just how we do it. I mean, we're going to tell you straight up, this is what we're coming out with. Do you guys like it or not? No? Okay, I'm going to scrap it. You like that? Cool. I'll come out with it. I love it's it, like, man. I love it. Yeah. Why, why are you not listening to your audience and using half a million followers to your to your advantage? Like, I'm not going to sit back and guess what people want. I'm going to ask, and, and then, then you can buy it. Yeah. But the thing is, though, then you could start to just drop stuff because now you know what they want, right? So now you could take that design that hit on something else. Like that windbreaker design, you could put that on a on a shirt. You can put that on a whatever phone case or a backpack, and you're like, I know it's gonna hit because I know that design resonated with people. Obviously, you can't just put on everything because it doesn't work for everything. But but you also start getting a feel, right? You start getting like, oh, okay, so these colors work or this design works. I can do this and not have to really stress about it. like, you know. So there's some things that we just drop because we know that it's gonna hit, and some stuff flops. Like the short sleeve hoodie that was never put out as like a what if. We just I just knew that would work. Oh, I didn't know. I just had an intuition that it would work. I, I, I knew that I would want to wear it because I'm like, damn, you know, it's something like in between where you're a little cold out, but blah, blah, and you could work out on it. Dope. Let's put it out. And it freaking hit really well. So I think it's a little bit of asking and a little bit of just understanding your community. What you're doing also, every time you engage your audience, you're learning your audience. And so you're just, it, it seems like every step of the way throughout your journey, you're constantly becoming more in touch with what the people want and what your audience is looking for. Exactly. I mean, I have, you know, again, those, those return customers are like your, your people that you're trying to connect with. So like, I know all those kids names. I know all these people that I ask advice for. So if we have some new that's coming out and we between two designs or two colorways, I'll send it to like 10 or 12 of our best customers. Like you guys tell me, (laughs) you guys know better than me. I know you're going to buy one either way, but like, what do you guys like? Okay. You guys like the blue? Cool. We'll go with the blue. You guys don't like that. All right. We'll scrap this whole thing. You know? So that's just what I do. I just ask the consumers that are the ones that are buying. I just think that's like the simplest way of doing things instead of overthinking it. You know what I mean? There's no reason to overthink it because you're just going to sit on money. You're going to lose interest and then you're going to go out of business. What's the point of doing that and guesswork? Do you see yourself striking any deals for any brick and mortar retail stores or are you just going to stay with the online platforms? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely a thought. Um, it's definitely been a thing uh, that we've talked about and it just has to be the right idea. You know, we go around to a lot of tournaments. You could set up, pop up, be out um, and you're going right to your consumer. When you're setting up a brick and mortar store, you're hoping that your consumer walks into your store, especially baseball. It's so niche. Um, now, like one of our people that are in our space, like baseballism, they set up baseball stores, uh, their clothing stores across the country or across from ballparks. Great concept, but it's just a lot of it's a lot of overhead. It's also a lot of just like, what if there's no baseball season this year, right? Look at this. This this year is the perfect example of the risk that you get involved, right? Great reward. You can make a so ton true. more revenue, but guess what? Their stores haven't been open all year and because of the coronavirus. Will people go and shop in person or are that going to continue to go down and down like it has been? Now, retail is not dead, but it's just about will it continue to go down. 
And if people can't go play baseball, they, they can't, you know what I mean? So you're sitting on all that and you're sitting on all that money, all that inventory. And it's like, you know, does that make the most sense? But for me, if we were to maybe have a couple of locations where we're also having our warehousing and our packing and ship out of, because we ship all around the country, right? So if we, it might be cheaper for us to maybe open up another office in California where we pack and ship and have a brick and mortar store and ship to our West coast. And then here we got our East coast. And then we got somewhere in Texas. Like, so maybe doing something like that makes the most sense than trying to be in a baseball related area. But like, yeah, man, it's tough being a baseball niche product and it's brick and mortar is tough, man. Like it, it kind of gets you going. It's exciting. And again, that's kind of like, I've been like, yeah, yeah, let's open up all these stores. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like why, you know, is that really a smart move? Are you going to lose money? Is it worth it? So yes and no. Um, and it's forever changing, man. If you would, again, we all know if we would have talked six months ago on this, none of this coronavirus was even a thing. And now look how that's changed the landscape of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. We haven't even been yeah. able to go to our biggest in-person event, which would have been probably just would have been coming home from Omaha, Nebraska, College World Series, where we make a ton of money and we haven't been able to go this year. You know, so how do you how do you balance that? How do you figure out how to grow in different ways? And we've done that. We've we've pivoted and we've been smart. We have a small team. We're not over leveraged, and we just roll, man. There's no need to be freaking fancy. I have a 1,500 square foot warehouse that isn't beautiful, you know, but who cares? You know, like. Keep your team. I think everyone wants to boast about, oh, I've got 10, 12, 15 employees and look at my beautiful warehouse. Great. But then when a coronavirus hits, how are you going to pay all those 10, 12, 15 people? And how are you going to pay your eight grand a month in rent to a landlord who doesn't give a crap about the coronavirus? So right, for right. me, it's like, that's what I've learned. And I'm happy I haven't, I've learned that and come to that because I don't know. I think that's important, you know? Absolutely. And social media and e-commerce has changed the way that we consume, right? And we're seeing social media evolve and grow and 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 you're seeing a lot of people step into this world of, of advertising, direct advertising and building brands on, on digital media and social media. Where are you anticipating this industry to go? Is it going to get oversaturated to a point where it's going to just kind of play itself out or just overall, where do you see the industry moving? Um, in terms of everything, I mean, it's always going to adapt. I mean, again, you wouldn't have like you would have guessed, you know, Instagram would be a thing, but do look at TikTok. I mean, TikTok's it right now, right? We hopped on TikTok a year ago in Omaha, so literally a year ago to like this date was our first TikTok post, and we're at 100,000 followers, dude. And that sounds crazy because let me it took me 1 year on Instagram to reach 10,000 followers. And that was back in 2013. So the fact that we're at plus 90 on TikTok, I think my 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 uh, intuition tells me that we're going to be bigger on TikTok than Instagram in 24 to 48 months, and that TikTok will be more of an organic driver, like Instagram was in 2017, and Instagram will be in the next 24 to 48 months. I think Instagram and whatever will just be, hey, look at these guys. They got a big presence. They got this following, and it'll help us leverage relationships to other bigger people that we might not be able to get our foot in. I think it'll be a way to promote new product and you'll still have your users that are still Instagram people like myself. I'm not a big TikTok guy yet, but I just, because I'm, I'm very weird because I'm, I'm just on a social media business way. But I mean, dude, all, a lot of the kids that were Instagram people commenting on our Instagram are now just going to comment on TikTok. And it's like, why? Well, how many moms and dads are now on Instagram? How is that a new platform where they feel more free to have more speech on TikTok and feel a little safer that it's kind of like this little closed club, you know, and it will become big and then there'll be something else besides TikTok. But, you know, I think the core will always still be there. There'll always be Facebook marketing. There'll always be Google marketing. 
but it'll start to flatten out to where you know, like Google's a lot more mature in Facebook in the terms of you know what you're going to get on your dollar. Facebook is still a little up and down. It'll start to even out. And then TikTok, I mean, with TikTok advertising, that's going to be a whole new thing. So you're talking years before there's like something new, but I think it's going to move to that platform um, and kind of go from there. You know, I think Instagram and 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 Facebook, because they're together, have a lot of work ahead of them to make sure that they're keeping up with TikTok in a sense that making sure that people like myself and my brand still put some attention on, on, on Instagram, you know, you never want to be relying on, on one platform, you know, like if Instagram went away tomorrow, I would still be okay. Cause of my email list, Facebook, Facebook marketing and TikTok. you know, as, as entrepreneurs, just like yourself, what are some things that we need to be doing on, on social that are quick little hacks to start growing a following and taking that first step? Cause we're definitely not growing our presence at a, as rapid as a rate as we want to. Without yeah. adding, without ad dollars. Yeah, of course. I, I think a lot of it, uh, again, and, and this is the truth, it's a lot harder to grow now on Instagram than it was back when I did it. And that's the, the honest truth, right? Like, it just, it's just what it is. But with that being said, there's no hack per se. I think it's about being consistent and putting out good content. And like, that's all seriousness. And I think it's about leveraging who you guys know into other people. Like, for example, like the guests you have, like myself, right? So, if you guys send me a clip and I might not post it on baseball lifestyle, but I'll post it on my you know personal brand, which has 12,000, 13,000 followers. If I post it on there, you might as got you're going to get attention there. Right. Or just leveraging relationships and working with people that are in your space. But I, I don't think necessarily the follower count even matters. I think the most important thing is the depth of the community. Like I don't like we have half a million followers, but you guys don't see us getting half a million likes, you know? So like, it's more about, you know, can you guys get a thousand followers, but every single person listens and every single person, you know, promotes it and pushes it to their friend. And it's going to grow like that. The, the biggest way to grow something today is still word of mouth because how it would work with our Instagram. And I remember this for a fact, cause I've heard it and I've been a part of it without people even knowing, but I would go to a baseball field. People would send, you know, show my post to all their friends. And then they'd be like, what the heck is that? You know, like what, what account is that? And then they'd follow it. I've literally been there in a circle with kids and then not knowing who I was that I was running the account. Cause I was like a new team or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's baseball lifestyle, you know? So they're showing it to their friends. So word of mouth is still so important. So like, you know, whether you have one follower, 500,000 followers, every follower matters. I answer every single DM. I answer as many comments as I possibly can. And especially at a younger stage, every single person that follows you needs to be like a dedicated person. Cause they're going to be your biggest spokesperson. And that's how you grow. What is to come for Josh Shapiro and how can our listeners follow you? Yeah, uh, for myself, man, no clue. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm going to keep going with this. Uh, again, if I would have told you at 22, I'd be where I'm at. And this is what baseball I saw be. I, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have thought that'd be possible. Um, but for me, man, it's about trying new things and about leveraging some of the things that I've built and the connections and relationships into some other new opportunities and new ideas um, and just never being satisfied. I think baseball lifestyle on the apparel side is still so brand new that there's still years of growth and years of learning. We're still learning so many new things. So for me, it's just about learning, man. I mean, I didn't go to four years of school. So for me, it's important to learn and read and, and fail so that I can learn from those and not make those mistakes again and be ahead of the curve, you know? Um, and that's really it, man. Just trying to get better every day as kind of corny as that sounds. I take the same attitude I did for the baseball field and apply that to my business. Um, and then, yeah, for, for following myself or the baseball lifestyle, um, baseball lifestyle's Instagram is at baseball underscore lifestyle one Oh one. 
And uh, my personal is at jshap101. So if anybody wants to DM me there on BL or both, I'll obviously see it and I'll get back to you guys. But those are the two main hubs that I'm usually uh, on. As a longtime baseball player myself, I really thank you for building this brand because it's really awesome. The apparel is amazing. Just quickly, you got anything to leave our followers with? One last line of encouragement or something that everyone needs to take away from Josh Shapiro? I think the two biggest things that I've I've learned is about consistency and just like and putting your head down and working and just not listening to like the outside voices. So like I see a lot now and and it's this is the only thing that frustrates me is you know I see people that are now getting to like our age and um they they kind of they promote something and they get it to their like there's no problem with boosting it up to your friends but you kind of you're starting to like promote something before you've really put the work in. And for me, I think your work is your biggest promotion. Same thing for baseball, right? You don't talk, you could look great on paper, but you got to go out and actually hit the baseball. So for me, I think it's really important to be consistent, work on something that you're doing, get the results and then start putting it out. Because again, you're going to start getting, you know, the hate or this or that, or like, Oh, look at, you know, this. And it's only at X, Y, and Z revenue or X, Y, and Z followers. I think it's important to put the work in and be consistent and then start to kind of, you know, go from there. And I think the biggest thing too is, you know, not listening to anybody else. And that's why I say this too is, or the haters more or less. Cause when I was in high school, a sophomore year, dude, a lot of people were making fun of baseball. I saw, especially on the baseball team, they're like, Hey, what is this? Because you know, a Finsta wasn't a thing. And now everybody's got their own blog or own X, Y, and Z it just wasn't a thing. So if I would have listened to those people and not put my head down and worked and just said, Hey, I, I believe in myself. I think that's so important is just to believe in yourself. And if you're truly passionate about it, it won't feel like work. You won't stress it. And you'll just continue to do it because you love it. People really, they, they love to talk down on things that they don't know much about or things that they can't see themselves doing. And exactly. it's really great that you were able to, uh, to see through that, keep that tunnel vision and keep on going, man. At 22, it's actually an inspiration. No, I'm, I'm 23 and I'm, I'm listening and I'm, I'm taking notes. This was gold, man. So we really appreciate you coming on. Really excited to see your growth, see where this thing's going to take you. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. Everyone follow him. Follow Baseball Lifestyle 101. Grab the apparel. Thanks again, Josh. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on again. This this for me is uh, it's always amazing just to, you know, again, never thought I'd be, you know, on podcasts and talking to people and telling my story. And uh, I really appreciate you guys again. So um, thank you. And uh, thank you for everybody that's uh, listened so far. Tuning in to the Learn Lead Podcast, where you get to own your life. Stay tuned for our future guests coming soon. Make sure to like and subscribe. Attention, all financial advisors. In episode 15, we interviewed one of the top former financial advisors in America and now performance coach Ben Newman. Ben has recently created the Financial Advisor Academy the ultimate education and coaching program focused on helping advisors increase their sales and build the mental toughness needed to maximize their potential and serve more clients. The Learn Lead Podcast and Ben Newman have partnered up 
to give you 33% off your potential subscription to the Financial Advisor Academy. I say potential because this is something that you have to apply for and get accepted into. If you're looking to take your business to the next level, I suggest you give this a shot. The link will be in the description of every podcast episode. And, and as a financial advisor, guys, I utilize this every day, whether it's motivation, handling objections, closing deals, the Financial Advisor Academy has it all. Take advantage of this opportunity now.